Today's reading is from Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning, family of God. Don't you love all the kids in this church? I was listening to them all laughing laughing over there, and it made me happy. Thank God for all those kids. Hey, before we say a word of prayer and dig into God's word, I want to give you an encouragement and an update. Give glory to God. If you were here three weeks ago, you know that we took spent our time on Sunday morning studying Second Corinthians chapter eight and nine about what God says about generosity. And then two weeks ago, we had a dinner uh, that was a fun time of fellowship and prayer and also a fundraising dinner. And we invited you. Hey, there's no pressure to give. You can come fellowship and pray, but also If you want to give, we need to raise a little money for some taking some kids to camp this summer and funding some outreach ministry that we're doing in apartment complexes and our after school program and our recovery ministry. So just pray if God would put it onto your heart to give. And we came together. We had food. We ate. We fellowship. We had fun. And um, praise God, you guys gave sixteen thousand dollars that night. So I just wanted to give glory to God for that. And thank you. Yeah, we can praise God for that. So what a beautiful way of responding to God's word and helping take care of some kids in our community. Thank you so much for that. Hey, I'm excited to give our attention to the words of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to take a moment to quiet our hearts, still our souls, and ask for God's help before we study his word. Our Father in heaven, you are a good and loving Father. Thank you that you are with with us in the still quiet moments of life as well as in the busy chaotic moments. Jesus, we hold on to the word of promise that you spoke that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you're there with them. We thank you for your presence here with us this morning. We thank you for the gift of your body and blood that we just remembered as we took the Lord's Supper. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here with us this morning. And we really want you to be our teacher today. Would you forgive us of our sins? Most high God, would you fill us now with your spirit? We all come with different Needs. Some of us come encouraged and happy today. Some of us come weary and heavy laden today. But we know that you know every heart. So would you touch each of our hearts? Would you heal us where we're hurting? Where we're off track? Would you help us to get back on track? Lord, if there's lies in our heads, would you replace them with the truth of God? That we would leave this place filled with the light 
of your truth and your love. Help me, Lord, to speak every word you want me to speak and none that you don't. Help us all to have ears to hear and minds to understand, hearts to trust your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 16, Jesus says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. As I was meditating on that verse this week, I began to think of some real-life scenarios that I have been in that probably many of you can relate to. Have you ever tried to walk through your house at night and you feel like you know the layout of your house, but then you try to walk through it at night and you learn some things? There's been some times where I'm walking through a room that I own. I live in this room, you know. Um, and yet the lights are out, and I think I can navigate it by memory, and I stub my toe really hard. And somebody can testify, if you catch that pinky toe, that can be serious in the middle of the night. A few of you have children, so you also know that Legos are a deadly weapon. If you walk through a dark living room where your kids were playing with Legos the night before, you better put those flip-flops on. Or turn the light on. One of the two, right? Because you step on that thing. That's going to hurt. I've also had the experience. I don't know that if you've had this one, but I'm walking through a room that I'm familiar with in the dark. And somebody, usually my wife, comes and turns on a lamp. And before the lamp was turned on, I thought I knew where I was. And then the lamp comes on and I realized I was wrong. Like I'm like this close to the wall or something, right? And it just made me think of what Jesus was saying. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. He puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. It's a simple metaphor Jesus is using. The whole point of lighting a lamp is to make things visible, to illuminate the surrounding world, to expose reality. That's what light does, right? Reality was there before, but we couldn't see it. Light comes and exposes reality. It helps us see what is really there so we can reorient ourselves based on truth. The point of lighting the lamp is that light goes out from the lamp and touches everything around it, making the world visible. Now, why does Jesus say this? What is he trying to teach us this morning? If you are a person who goes to church a lot or reads your Bible, it may be that, like me, when you read Luke 8, 16, another passage from Matthew chapter 5, in which Jesus says something very similar. This, the one in Matthew 5 is probably a little bit better known, though. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. That's Jesus talking to his disciples. So if you're here and believe in Christ, that's you. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, say, you are the light. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, the point Jesus is making in Matthew chapter five is pretty clear. He wants his disciples to be people who are so filled with God's truth and God's love that everywhere they go, they speak truth. They love people with the love of God. 
that's been awakened in them by the Holy Spirit so that wherever they go, the light of God's love and truth flows through the disciples of Jesus in a way that helps people to see the light of God and they worship God. That's the point Jesus is making in Matthew chapter five, and it's a beautiful point, but I don't actually think that's what Jesus is primarily saying in Luke. In Luke 8, 16, Jesus uses the same metaphor. We've got to remember, Jesus is an itinerant preacher, meaning he's walking around from city to city, from village to village, preaching over and over, hours on end. So he will use the same things over and over, but often he repurposes his little parables and his little metaphors to make different points in different circumstances. And I think that's what's happening here. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about putting that lamp on the stand. And the point is, let your good works shine in a way that helps people see God. But I think if we study Luke 8 and we put this in context, Jesus here is not so much talking about us shining light into the world. I think he's mainly talking about God shining light into us. If you want to know why I think this, you got to look at the next two verses. I think the whole point here is God is lighting a lamp. God is shining into the world and into you, into his disciples. Look at verse 17. I want to ponder that for a second. Jesus says, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. What's he saying? I think he's saying God is about to shine a light that touches everything. Everything will be made visible. Everything will come to light. What does he mean? Well, throughout this section, Jesus is talking over and over about the kingdom of God. And I think Jesus is saying God's kingdom is coming. God's kingdom is coming. And it's coming as light, which will shine into every corner of the world and into every heart. It will shine into you. Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. It's all about the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king. When Jesus is born, that's the king coming into a dark world to shine The light of God's truth and God's love. That's why in John chapter 1, when it talks about Jesus coming into the world, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The death of Jesus is God the Son on that cross taking upon himself all of our evil, all of our darkness and all of its consequences so that we don't have to. And the resurrection of Jesus Is God the Son overcoming the darkness by the power of his light, his life, his truth? After Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again, he ascended to heaven, sat down on a throne at the right hand of his father. And then he poured out the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And that moment of Pentecost is the moment where God comes to dwell within his people, his light Shining in us, illumining the dark corners of our soul, leading us into his truth, filling us up with his love. Whenever 
The kingdom of God advances through the people of God, preaching the word of God in the world. God is shining light into the world. That's true. That's the connection between Luke 8 and Matthew 5. We'll come back to it in a moment. And then especially we might want to think about the second coming of Jesus. He came. We, we confessed this a moment ago when we took the Lord's Supper. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ is coming again. That's what we said. He's coming again. He came once and he's coming again. How often do you think, How often do you think about that? It's really actually going to happen. Jesus will return. He's coming in glory. When he comes, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Somebody knows. What are they going to say? Let, let me hear you yell it out. Everybody say, Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus is Lord. On that day, God's light is shining out into the world in a new way. It's exposing and overcoming all evil forever. God is... Lighting a lamp. He's flipping on a light switch in Jesus, the king. It's a sobering thought. It's also a beautiful thought. The beautiful thing about the light of God shining through Jesus is that this light doesn't just expose and judge. It also transforms. The light of Jesus heals what it touches. I want to ask you to ponder a question seriously. How do you feel about the words Jesus speaks in verse 17? Look at those words again. Read them again. Ask yourself seriously, what do I think about this and how do I feel about it? For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. I've been in a dark room, thought I knew where I was, and the lamp comes on and reality shows up. The kingdom of God is coming. Everything that's hidden is going to be revealed. How does that make you feel? This week, I've tried to sit with those words and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help me and really think about how do I feel about those words? Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known, made known and come to light. As I've tried to meditate on those words this week and think about, what do I think about this? How do I feel about this? Here's three truths that have come to my mind. I want to share them with you. First, these are actually really good words. Because we do not want evil to persist in the world forever. We want light to drive out the darkness. Anybody want to see greed continuing to rip the world apart forever? You want to see child abuse continuing to traumatize kids in the world forever? War. Ethnic cleansing. We can talk about big, high-level problems. Or we could talk about, in our own life, what is the darkness that we experience? Death. Loneliness, selfishness, broken relationships. 
Would you like God to drive all that out? Well, here's good news of the gospel. God is lighting a lamp. He's going to put it on a stand. It's going to shine into every dark corner of the world, which means evil will not win. Darkness cannot hide from King Jesus. These are good words. They're beautiful words. But the second truth is also these are scary words that should make us humble. Why do I say that? Because we all know that there is darkness inside of us. The thought of all our darkness getting exposed to the light is not a particularly pleasant thought. Jesus talks about this quite a bit, especially in the Gospel of John. The light comes into the world, but the people love the darkness more than the light because their deeds were evil. They didn't want to be exposed. And I was just reflecting this week about some thoughts that are uncomfortable thoughts. How, how about you think about this for yourself? How would you like for the worst, most sinful, embarrassing things you ever did just to be publicly exposed right now? Not good feeling. How would you like for the deepest, darkest, ugliest thoughts inside of you to be made public? Aren't you glad that you can't read people's minds? My feelings get hurt by what people say, but what if I knew what they think? <laughs> you know? We would, we're already clearing up relationships around here all the time. When the Bible says forgive one another, there's so much opportunity to practice that. Amen. That's just from the stuff we say. But what about the stuff we think? It's, it's a scary thought at some level. Some people, this thought about God's light shining in the darkness uh, actually makes them run away. Or makes them aggressively hate Jesus. That's what, why Jesus said that they killed him. He said, they hate me because I testify that their deeds are evil. Listen, there's evil in the world. And there's evil and darkness inside of us. And pretending it's not there does not make it go away. Jesus brings light. He exposes it. These are good words. They're also scary words which should make us humble. When I think about that. The light exposing everything, it makes me humble. It makes me want to say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Makes me feel a little less self-righteous and a little bit more desperate for grace and thankful for grace. Which leads to the third point. These are beautiful words that actually have the power to heal us. These are beautiful words. Because Jesus doesn't expose our darkness to shame us. Ever. Jesus exposes our darkness to heal us, forgive us, and embrace us. For some of you in the room, I think those are the two words that probably you most need to ponder. You might need to write down this week. Jesus doesn't expose our darkness to shame us. Ever. He exposes our darkness to heal us, forgive us, and embrace us. Shining light into our darkness just means that we're going to be fully known. The version of you that God wants to embrace is not a fake version of you. It's the real you. The version of you that God wants to embrace is just not part of you. It's the real you with all the beauty in you and all the ugliness in you. God wants to embrace all of you. This is not a 
shallow love. And I'm not saying God wants to embrace sin. I'm saying he wants to embrace the whole you, which includes shining light on dark places in order to heal and to restore. Hey, church family, let me ask you a question. Don't you long for there to be people who know all of the truth about you, all of your beauty and all your goodness and all your darkness and all of your ugliness and still unreservedly love you and embrace you? That's what we're all looking for in relationship. Some of you will know that on Friday morning, Pastor Tim Keller from New York passed away. He'd been battling cancer for a long time. Man of God, really powerfully used of God in his generation. Great preacher, great writer. I'm thankful to God for his life and that he finished well. But I was just reflecting this week on a couple of things he said a lot. If you listened to any Tim Keller sermons or read any Tim Keller books, you probably heard the sentences I'm about to read to you. Here's one of them. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves that we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. The light of Jesus exposes the truth of who we are, the good, the bad and the ugly. But the light of Jesus comes not only as the light of revealing truth, but as the light of healing love. Here's another one from Tim Keller. He said to be loved, but not known is comforting, but superficial. Have you found that true? Some people who love you and like you, but you're terrified for them to see the truth about you. It feels better than not being liked. And yet it leads you long, leaves you longing for more. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. And then he said to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. We walk around feeling if people saw the truth about me, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't love That's me why That's for so why many people, so many this, people idea this idea of light shining into the darkness, making everything visible, feels like a very terrifying, threatening reality that can awaken a flight or fight response. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but Tim Keller continues to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It's what we want. It's what we need more than anything. I think part of what Jesus is after in Luke 8, 16 and 17 is teaching us the love of God for us is not a superficial love. It's not a partial love. It's not cheap comfort. It's a love that embraces all of us, that penetrates into all of us, that touches every part of us, even the most broken parts, the stuff you're most ashamed of, the stuff you haven't told anybody or you've told one or two people. The love of God wants to touch all of that. Your sin, but also your wounds and your fears. He wants to touch all of that. Expose it, bring it to the surface in his gentle way, his perfect patience, his perfect timing. But this light of holy truth is also a light of holy love. It exposes in order to heal, forgive and embrace. It is, in fact, the love we've been looking for our whole lives to be fully known and fully embraced. Jesus came and died on the cross so that the truth of you could be made known. The consequences of all your darkness could be absorbed by him and you could be embraced in the reality of who you are and healed. 
How does this work in our lives? How does Jesus shine his light into us? Well, there's a lot that could be said, but we should pay attention to what Jesus says in verse 18. Look again. Verse 18, he says, take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Take care then how you hear. Jesus went from talking about light to talking about listening. The two go together. Take care then how you hear. Now, if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Jared preach a really great sermon on the parable of the four soils. Didn't Jared do a good job last week? And as he was talking about that, Jared kept repeating the little question. Are you listening? You remember that? Are you listening? Are you listening to the word of God? Are you listening to the gospel of the kingdom? That's what the parable of the four soils was all about. I'm not going to repeat all that. But last week, Jesus was comparing the word of the Lord, the word of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom to a seed. The word of Christ has life in itself. And the question is, what kind of heart is that word getting planted in? And at Luke 8, 15, we heard that we want to be the kind of people that our heart is like rich, fertile soil that is receptive to God's word, that's humble to God's word, that's trusting of God's word. We're not going to have that kind of heart unless the Holy Spirit helps us. Amen, church. We need to help. We need his help. We need God to help us here. So everybody, we, let's just pray together. Everybody say, help us here. We need God to give us that kind of soft, rich, nutrient rich soil so then the seed can get in there and grow deep roots and over time grow up strong and we bear fruit with patience. It takes time. Last week, the word of God, the gospel of the kingdom was compared to a seed. And now we're talking about God's kingdom shining light into the world. And now he comes back to be careful Take care how you hear. It's so important to take seriously how we listen to the word of the Lord. I try to open up my Bible at the house every day and and read and meditate. And I just never want to open that thing without praying. God, give me a heart to hear your word. It actually makes me think about this. You know, we can read God's word on our own. We can listen to it in our headphones while we're driving or riding down the street. There's all kinds of ways to hear God's word. Of course, one of the ways is when we come together as the family of God to worship the Lord and to hear his word on Sundays. And I just, it just this made me think, take care then how you hear. It made me think for all of us, how much are we spiritually preparing ourselves for what God wants to do when we gather? I had a mentor in college who was an older man of God who used to say to us, Sunday morning starts on Saturday night. He was not a pastor, but he knew that God likes to speak to his people in the corporate gathering. And he said, you know, he was just honest with us. Some of y'all think that it's dry and you can never hear from the Lord when you go to gather with his people and hear his word. But some of y'all just tired because you haven't been taking care how you hear. How well do you prepare yourself physically and spiritually to encounter the word of God? Do you think about that? Jesus is saying, I want to shine healing light into your soul. Take care how you hear. From the one who has not, sorry, to, to the one who has, more will be given. 
And if the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. What's that about? Well, it's about hearing. He's talking about how do we listen to the word of God. And to help us understand this, I think it's first important for us to imagine the original audience of Jesus that heard this. And then we can bring it home to us. Jesus is talking to a, an audience of Jews. Jesus is a Jew. Everybody he's talking to are Jews. These are people who have been reading the scriptures. They've been reading the prophets. They know God is going to send a savior. They're people who sing songs of praise to God. They gather in the synagogue to worship God. Okay. And they're listening to Jesus. And some of them are listening to him with hearts of desperate faith and awareness of their sin. And they're coming and saying, God, reveal your truth to me. God, speak to me. They've already got a seed of the word at work in their hearts. And the more that they listen to Jesus, the more knowledge of God's kingdom is is awakening in their minds and they're growing in their faith. But there's other people who are listening to Jesus, namely people like the scribes and the Pharisees, who uh, they're not listening to Jesus to learn. They're listening to evaluate and to judge. And they think we're the really spiritual people. We're the really religious people. We've got it all figured out. We're God's chosen people. They're arrogant. They think that they've already got it all figured out. And Jesus is saying, not only are they not going to get what they're saying, but even what they're clinging to is going to be taken from them. They're going to face judgment. The temple is about to be destroyed because God's bringing judgment on his people is what Jesus is going to go on to say. Be careful how you hear. There was a lot of people listening, but some were listening with a heart of humble, desperate faith. Interestingly, the people he's talking about for to the one who has more will be given. Apparently, from other things Jesus says, we can tell those people, a lot of them were like prostitutes, tax collectors, notorious sinners. What is it that they have? What they have is poverty of spirit. A posture of humble openness before the word of the Lord. Desperation. And they're directing that desperation to Jesus. From the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Just self-righteousness. When we think we've got it all figured out, we tend to have problems. In other words, if you want God's light to shine into you in a way that keeps healing and transforming, come to God in secret and in our corporate worship gatherings and, and every day as you come to him, come to him with a sense of desperate need. And you will find that his radical grace is there to meet you at your place of desperate need. I think that's the point. Before we finish today, I want to share something about my own spiritual experience with you. Just because I hope it might be helpful on your journey with Jesus. Early on in my Christian life, life, I think the idea idea of Jesus... Shining light into the dark places of my soul. I experienced as mostly scary. That was mostly a scary thought for me. Perhaps some of you are there right now. The thought of God shining light to expose you feels scary. Perhaps because you've been doing some stuff you know you haven't, shouldn't have been doing. And you just feel like I felt. Shame and fear. If that's what you're feeling, it's okay to be honest about. What I'm really trying to say is God loves you. God loves you. And I want to tell you about my experience. I felt 
scared, even after trusting in Christ and being baptized and beginning to grow, because who wants to have their sin and pain exposed? There is some stuff inside of me. What kind of stuff? Pride, greed, lust, bitterness, fear, doubt, all kinds of stuff. Who wants to have that stuff exposed? But over time, my subjective experience has changed. I still get a little nervous sometimes. <laughs> but when I think about God shining his light into the dark places of my soul, increasingly what I experience is tremendous comfort, peace, and hope. Why? What happened? The answer is not, I've made so much moral progress that I'm not worried about what he's going to find in there. <laughs> That's not the answer. Okay. The answer is not, I've got my stuff together, so it's fine now. Here's the answer. Basically, for over 30 years, I've found that every time Jesus exposes something dark in me, he's coming near with great mercy, healing power, and comforting love. That's what he's actually doing. Over and over and over again, when he exposes something dark or scary inside of me, he's not shaming me. He's inviting me to himself. He's embracing me. He's healing me. He's sanctifying me. He's preparing me. Now, I'm still capable of spiritual amnesia, which means I'm still capable of like, I'm not sure I want... This to be dealt with right now. But here's the point. When I'm remembering God the way that I ought to be doing, his track record in my life is a lot like his track record in the Bible, which is this. His steadfast love never fails. His mercy is new every morning. The light of Jesus never once in my life has it come to harm me. Never once has it come to shame me. And the more I experience Jesus responding lovingly to my failure over and over and over again, quite simply, it just makes me think he's trustworthy. He's actually trustworthy. So that when his light starts touching me in another place again, it's not like, oh, I've got to hide, I've got to hide. It's like, he's calling me deeper. I've been here before. He's calling me deeper. And here's another thing. Jesus shining light into us is the beginning of Jesus shining light through us into the world. That's the connection between Luke 8 and Matthew chapter 5. God is lighting a lamp. Some of you need to hear today, if you will open the dark places of your sin and your pain that feels a little too hard, you want to hide it, you want to run away from the light. If you'll open that to Jesus, he will lovingly forgive you. He will start a process of healing. He will embrace you. And over time, he'll make you an instrument of healing in the world. Our healing frees us to walk in our purpose. I want you to hear that. What does it mean Jesus wants to shine his light into the dark places of our souls? He wants to heal you and your healing frees you to walk in your purpose. Your healing frees you to walk in your purpose. That doesn't mean you have to be all the way healed before you walk in your purpose. We're getting healed as we're walking in our purpose. That's how the gospel works in the light of discipleship. 
So if we ask the question, what is this lamp God is lighting? Well, at one level, Jesus is the lamp. Everybody say it's all about Jesus. He's the light of the world. His death and resurrection is our only hope. Trust in him and you'll be saved. He's the only savior. It's all about Jesus. But Jesus, who said, I'm the light of the world, also said to his disciples, you're the light of the world. Jesus is the lamp. The word of God, the gospel that he sends to us is the lamp. And as we trust in him, we become the lamp. Ephesians 5, Paul talks about this. When light shines on us, we become light. And then we shine light into the world, which means Christians are now a people in the midst of our own healing who are drawn by Jesus into dark places to bring truth and love. We're drawn by Jesus into broken places in the world. We go there without fear because of our experience of God's light in our life. There is no evil that can hide from God's truth. And there is no person so evil that they are beyond the healing grace of Jesus. That's what Jesus has done for us. And that's how he's inviting us to live in the world. I want to invite you to pray with me before we finish a simple prayer that I've been trying to pray this week. If you'd be willing, I'll ask you to stand. I want to be quiet for a moment in the presence of Jesus. I want to invite you to just close your eyes. If you'd like, you can put your hands in front of you in a posture of receiving. I'm going to pray a little prayer. As I've been meditating on this text of scripture, I've been praying this prayer this week. This is a scary prayer if we don't trust Jesus. But what I want to say to you is that he's totally trustworthy. He's totally trustworthy. I'm going to say this prayer one line at a time and invite you in your own heart to talk to God. I'll I'll pause after each line of this prayer. Father, shine your light in me. Jesus Christ, Son of God, shine your light in me. Holy Spirit, shine your light in me. Shine your light into the dark places of my soul. I open myself to you. Let the light of your truth and love touch the sinful places in me. Let the light of your truth and love touch the broken and healing places in me. Take away from me all fear and shame. Heal me so that I may be your instrument of healing in the world.
I want to pray that again. I want us to pray for each other as a group. Heal us so that we may be your instruments of healing in the world. Heal our relationships. Heal our families. Heal our hearts. Heal our community. Jesus, set me on fire with your holy love so that I can be your lamp in the world. Jesus, set me on fire with your truth so that I can be your lamp in the world. Our Father, we thank you that you've heard our prayers now. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would continue doing a healing and liberating work, drawing us to Jesus, healing us, and that as we sing, as we worship you, your light would shine in us. And you shine through us. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.